0: eternal heavenly father we come before your presence right now god we thank you for another day's journey but we thank you for the opportunity to gather in worship lord as we come to bring your word today lord we realize the enemy tries to destroy your word from getting out but lord no weapon formed against us shall prosper and Lord, we stand in faith right now, believing and knowing that Your Word has the power to overcome any technical difficulties. We ask you right now, Holy Spirit, to have Your way in this place. We thank You, God. God, we lift up uh, this country, God, that we live in. God, in, in the entire globe, Lord, as we face uh, this uh, pandemic that's, that's circling the globe. Lord, we know that many have lost loved ones, God, as a result of that. But Lord, and Lord, even in the normal course of life, many have lost loved ones, God. We play a a special prayer for Sister Zonda Thornton, Lord, and the loss of her husband, Vincent. A uh, member of this body, God, we thank you, God, that you give comfort and peace in that situation. And I thank you right now, God, that your word will go forth and that we will, amen, walk in victory and walk in faith. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Glory to God, amen. Well, listen, welcome, EBC family. I thank God for this opportunity that he's given us to come to you today. We had a few de- technical difficulties, but that's all right. God's word is in the house. Uh we are thankful for you being here with us and joining us online online. And we ask you if you will to have your Bibles, I'm gonna ask you to turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter number two. Philippians chapter number two, and we're gonna begin our reading at verse number nineteen. Philippians two, verse number nineteen. Glory to God. We thank God for this day. The text says this if the Lord Jesus is willing, I hope to send Timothy to you soon for a visit. Then he can cheer me up by telling me how you are getting along. Verse number 20 says this. I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about your welfare. 21 says this. Watch this. All the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. Verse 22 says this. But you know how Timothy has proved himself like a son with his father. He has served with me in preaching the good news. We're going to stop our reading right there, uh, and uh, we're going to pick up the study of this second chapter of the book of Philippians. And in this, we're going to look at today, we're going to tune in to this subtopic, character and confidence in crisis. That's, that sounds like a mouthful, but I want you all to say it with me. Say character and confidence in a crisis. One more time, character and confidence in a crisis. It's really important because during what we're going through right now, it's, it's, it's important that we maintain character and that we have confidence in the midst of this crisis that we're dealing with. In the last section of this chapter here, Paul is still discussing the submissive mind. And he's given us a description of the submissive mind, an example of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has on this Palm Sunday, we know he, he uh, eventually went to the cross of Calvary so that you and I could have a right a a relationship with the God who created the heavens and earth he explained the dynamics of the submissive mind in that example of Jesus Christ but he also explained the dynamics of submissive mind in his own experience because you know Paul as he writes this letter was seated in a Roman jail but even as he's seated in his Roman jail he does not allow his circumstance to get on the inside of him amen so so now he in the latter part of this chapter he introduces us To two of his helpers in the ministry, Timothy and a guy by the name of Epaphroditus, both of whom were men of character and integrity. And he highlights these two brothers for a reason, I believe. Amen. He knows that his readers would be prone to say, well, you know, you gave us the example of Christ Jesus, but he was the son of God. Nobody could be like Jesus. Or maybe they would have said, Paul, you, were, you had apostolic authority. You, you, you worked miracles, and, and nobody could actually be like you. So Paul comes along and says, okay, if that's your argument, I'm going to give you two common guys, guys who I work with in ministry, guys who, 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 who actually serve with me and who were considered to be ordinary men who were not apostles and didn't do any spectacular, miraculous work that you saw me do and, and saw Jesus do. I'm going to use those guys to be an example of, of what it means to have character and confidence in the midst of a crisis. He wants us to know that the submissive mind is not just a luxury for uh, just a few, the elite few, but all of us could submit, amen, amen, to having a submissive mind and bringing the joy of Christ into this world that so desperately needs it, amen. So let's look at Timothy right quick because again, Timothy and Epaphroditus are going to use those to be our example of what it means to be men and women of a character and integrity and, and men and women who have confidence in the midst of a crisis. Timothy, guys, if you study your Bible, he was, one of, he was the son of a Jewish mother and a Gentile father. But Paul always considered the young man as his own dear beloved son in the faith. If you will, let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter number 1 And we're going to begin our reading at verse number one, uh, verse number two, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter number one. And we're going to begin our reading at verse number two because we need to understand what it means and what it and, and how can we have confidence in the midst of a crisis? How can you and I in the midst of this situation keep our hearts and minds stayed on Jesus? How can we, amen, when we're facing this pandemic, not get out of character, not begin to fear and Paul gives us this example of these two brothers who can help us get there. Because I think, as I told you on last week, uh, having an example, amen, will, will stimulate us to follow that, 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 that particular pattern that they, that they showed. So the text says this. Paul, as he writes to his young son in notice what he says. Notice the terms of endearment here. He says, I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. I like that. My dear son. He says, may God, the father. And Christ Jesus, our Lord, give you grace, mercy, and peace. Look at verse number three with me. Watch this. It says what? Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Verse four, watch this. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again five, six and seven. Watch this. I remember your genuine faith for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. It's great to have a heritage of faith in your family. His grandmother and his mother were women of faith and they passed that on to Timothy. He said this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. The King James Version says, stir up the gift. Say, say, stir it up, stir it up, stir up the gift. Now, let me get verse number seven. Verse seven says this, watch this, watch this. Uh, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and t- timidity, but of power, love, and self discipline, or a sound mind. So, Timothy here uh, was, was, was Paul's son in the faith. I like in 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse number 17, he says this, for this cause, I have sent you, sent unto you Timothy who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways which be in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. Now, guys, in Timothy's experience, we learned that the submissive mind is not something that suddenly or automatically appears in the life of a believer. Timothy had to develop and cultivate the mind of Christ. He had to develop and cultivate the mind of Christ. One of the things, guys, that I've, I've observed after having pastored here, uh, this is going to about 31st year, I've, I've, I've understood and I knew this a long time ago that, that in order for us to begin to think like Christ, it calls for us to submit ourselves to a discipleship process. And we see that in what, how Paul dealt with Timothy, how he dealt with Epaphroditus, how he dealt with Titus. It's a process that we got to go through. Listen to what Philippians 2 and 5 says in, in reading from the King James Version of the Scripture. Philippians 2 and 5. Let's look at that real carefully and I want you to let this sink in, okay? Philippians 2, verse number 5. Watch it, let's read together. It says what? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let's read one more time. Let this mind be in you. That means that you and I have a choice. One thing about God is, he will not make us submit to him. He will not make you, but he desires for you to do so. He made us free moral agents, gave us a will, and he, he chooses, amen, to let us choose. Listen to that again. God chooses to let us choose to submit to him. The question is, in many of our churches, uh, I think what happens sometimes is we're not having character and confidence in a crisis because we failed to submit our mind and our hearts to Christ Jesus. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, it was not natural for, for Timothy to be a servant. But as he walked with the Lord and he worked with Paul, he became the kind of servant that Paul could trust and God could bless. Listen again. He became the kind of servant that, that, that Paul could trust and God could bless. And notice the characteristics of this young man. Let's, let's walk through it right quick. Number one, he had a servant's mind. You know, you know I, I, as I sit back and I observe what's happening uh, in our churches in America today, I, 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 it, sadly, I think we, we have a situation where our minds are not being renewed with the things of God. We have a situation where our minds, we have not submitted our minds to uh, the word of God. In order for us to begin to think like Christ, we got to have Christ's word coming in our head and getting down in our heart. I, I like what one pastor says, thy word, uh, the psalmist says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So Timothy, Amen. Uh, Timothy to begin with, he, he naturally cared for people and was concerned about their needs and he was not interested in just winning friends and influencing people. He was genuinely interested in their physical, in their spiritual well-being, in their, in, in their, in their, in their, in their physical, in their spiritual welfare. Paul was concerned about the church at Philippi and wanted to send someone to convey his, ser- his concern and to find out what was going on there. And Timothy had a natural concern for the welfare of others, and he had a servant's mind. Now, it's too bad that the believers in Rome, uh, who, who, where Paul was located here, uh, were so self-centered and so engrossed in themselves that, that, they, that they didn't even think about anybody outside of themselves. And you got to be careful in the midst of a crisis. It's too easy for us to, to, to just turn things eternal and we only think about ourselves. I think this is time for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to shine. We need to be able to see, the world needs to be able to see that we are men and women of integrity and character and we got confidence in the midst of the crisis. But, I, but, but, but if we find ourselves fearful and we find ourselves doing things that are not in line with God's will, then we won't be able to project that confidence in, in, in that character in the midst of this crisis. Now, now I think one of, the, one of the problems that we have in the church is, is that we spend too much time being focused and just on ourselves. Go, go with me back to Philippians chapter number 1, and let's look at verses 15 and 16. So, we know that Timothy number 1 had a servant's mind. And the second point, while you're turning there, is that Timothy had a servant's training. He, he, he was trained in the faith. Philippians 1 verse 15 and 16. Philippians 1 Verse fifteen and six. Let's look at that right quick. The text says this: It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. Here Paul is, incarcerated in the Roman jail, recognizing that there were others in ministry who were glad that he was there because they viewed it as their opportunity to shine. Y'all do know sometimes we have competition in the church, don't we? we have competition in the church. And really guys, it's, it's such a foolish uh, trail to go down because all of us should be promoting the gospel of Jesus Christ and it should never be about a personality. It should never be about a particular church but it should always be about lifting up Jesus. So here we have these guys preaching. He says, I, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and that rivalry but others preach about Christ with pure motives. Watch what he says in verse, eight. look at Paul's single-mindedness here. Watch this, he says, they preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Watch verse 17. Look at this. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my change more painful to me. But look at Paul's mindset, guys. He knew they, they were thrown off in their thinking, but here he is saying, but that doesn't matter. I know some guys are out there doing it for the wrong reason. I know some guys are, 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 are sometimes, sometimes self-centered, but because Christ is being lifted up, people are being drawn to him, even through that self-centered preacher, even through that self-centered church member who's witnessing, amen, to bring glory to themselves. If Christ is being preached, Paul says, and people are getting saved, even though the person, the messenger may have been messed up, the person got saved, and I'm glad that they got saved. He said, "But it doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine. The message about Christ is being preached either way." So I rejoice, and I continue to rejoice. So, so we look at here. Timothy had a servant's mind, uh, similar to Paul. He had a number two. He had a servant's training. Paul did not add Timothy to his team the very moment he was saved, and that's critically important because Paul was too wise to launch somebody out there that was new to the faith. As a matter of fact, if you will, go with me and look at the, the advice that Paul gave Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter number three. Now, again, remember, it's his son in the faith. He had a special place in his heart for Timothy and Titus and Epaphroditus because they they labored with him. Look at 1 Timothy chapter number three and verse number six and seven with me right quick because uh, I think it's important for us to, to, to capture this. Uh, he, he, he trained him up. The text says this, an elder, as he's given these qualifications uh, of, of, of a person who's in leadership in the church, he says an elder must not be a new believer. In other words, someone who just got saved, someone who just experienced a conversion experience, and they're new to the faith. He says an elder, a spiritual leader, must not be a new believer because he might become what? Proud, and the devil would cause him to fall. Verse number seven says this. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. What are you getting at, Brother Pastor? Well, listen, if you look at character and confidence in time of crisis, the church needs spiritual leaders who follow after the example of Christ, who follow after the example of Paul. The church needs spiritual leaders who are spoken well of of those outside of the church. What do you mean by pastor? Well, in other words, if you place somebody in spiritual leadership that has a poor reputation outside of the church, it's going to affect their church's ministry to do to do to to advance kingdom principles out in the community. So we got to make sure that we vet our spiritual leaders. When you call a spiritual leader as a pastor, deacon or whatever role they serve in, we need to find out how they're living. When you're sitting next to the person right there at home, I want you to touch them and say, How are you living? Because that's critically important because we need to f- figure out how that person is living before we elevate them to a, a place of spiritual leadership. So Paul warned young Timothy, and, and even in Timothy's training, he didn't just launch him out right away. He taught Timothy the word and permitted him to watch him, the Apostle Paul, as he went about doing ministry. And guys, This was the way Jesus trained his disciples. He gave personal instruction balanced by on-the-job experience. And and for any any pastoral leader or church leader who listens to me today, before you begin to launch someone out in ministry, before a church begins to even do something different, it's critically important that you, first of all, teach and then provide training opportunities. Teach, then implement. Teach first before you institute change, because most of us, we are really honest about it, are not really used to a lot of change. We want to do things the way that we've done it in our pattern of living all along. We eat the same types of foods, right? We go to work the same way. We do things in a habitual pattern. And I'm here to tell you, one of the things that God is trying to do with the church is, is to get us out of our pattern. God wants to get us out of our sense of normalcy. In order for us to advance kingdom agenda, in order for us to advance kingdom principles, we got to get outside of ourselves. Now, sometimes that's tough to do. Can can we be honest about it? Sometimes that's tough to do because we like doing things the way we are comfortable with doing things. I'm here to tell you, God Will launch you and he will bring things into your life to cause you to get uncomfortable where you are so he can move you to where he wants you to be. And so uh, we look at Timothy, he had a servant's training because Paul taught him. That's the way Jesus did. Jesus gave personal instruction balanced by on the job training. That's what he did with his disciples. Experience, listen to me carefully, experience without teaching can lead to discouragement. But watch this, and teaching without experience can lead to spiritual deadness. It takes both, right? I'm gonna say it again. Watch this. Experience without teaching can lead to discouragement. And teaching without experience can lead to spiritual deadness. So he had a servant's training. The third thing about young Timothy was he had a servant's reward. Look at verses 20. Go back to Philippians chapter number two, verse 23 and 24. He had a servant's reward, a servant's reward. I like this. Philippians chapter number two. And look at verse number 23 and 24. The text says this. I hope to send him to you just as soon as I find out what is going to happen to me here. This is Paul writing to the church at Philippi, telling them that I hope to send him to you soon. Watch the text in verse number 24. Let's read. It says what? And I have confidence from the Lord that I myself will come to see you soon. Now, again, Timothy knew the meaning of sacrifice and service, but God rewarded him for his, his faithfulness. Amen. He had the joy of serving with the Apostle Paul and and assisting him in some of his most difficult assignments. And Timothy is mentioned uh, at, at least 24 times in Paul's letters. So that means that he had a special place in his heart. But perhaps, God, listen to me, perhaps the greatest reward God gave to Timothy was to choose him to be Paul's replacement when the great apostle was called home to be with the Lord. He was, God chose Timothy to step into a role that Paul had. Paul himself wanted to go to Philippi, but he, he had to send Timothy in his place. But what an honor. Timothy, Timothy guys was not only Paul's son and Paul's servant, but he became Paul's Substitute. He became the guy who stood in for Paul. Now, in in order for that to happen, you got to be a man of character and you got to have confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, look, the submissive mind in the second chapter, what we're dealing with in Philippians, the submissive mind is not the product of just hearing one sermon. Guys, here's what I've discovered about a lot of church members or a lot of believers. And and guys, during this time that we're going through uh, right now, I think it's a perfect time for us to gird up uh, our prayer life. I think it's a perfect time for us to begin to spend time studying the word of God. We should have been doing it all along. Would y'all agree? We should have been studying all along. We should have had prayer time all along. But now that we are uh, pretty much confined to our homes for the most part, that's the time for us to begin to pray together as a family. Prayer connect Wednesday, remember that? Uh, there's time for us to spend time in the word ourselves. And so, uh, but, but, but having a submissive mind won't come just by coming to church on Sunday. I'm sorry. You will not have the mindset of Paul. You will not have the mindset of Timothy. Uh, you will not have the mindset of Epaphroditus if all you do is show up on Sunday. God desires to have a personal relationship with each one of us. That, that means that a personal relationship, like, like me, me and my wife. My, now, I met my wife when I was in school in Louisiana Tech, and uh, uh, I think from from the time that we began dating, uh, we 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 spent uh, significant time with each other. Amen. Now, in order for me to develop my relationship with my wife, come on, husband out there, touch your wife if you're sitting next to him. In order for me to develop my relationship with my wife, I have to spend time with my wife. Everybody agree? Let's reverse it. In order, wives, in order for you to develop a relationship with your husband, you got to spend time with your husband. Is that correct? And so, so that time means, now, now I don't mean just just holding hands. You got to hold hands, but you got to talk. You got you to talk about feelings. Now, guys, every husband out there, I, I need y'all to, to, to listen. I need y'all to just go over right quick. Sometimes for husbands, that's not the the easiest thing in the world to do, because we just want things to be all right. We want our wives just to be cool. We want we want to, we want to you know you know cook meals and uh, gather around together. Some of y'all I've heard are cooking more now in the last three weeks than you've done in five years. So there's something good coming out of this. Can I get five witnesses out there? Can I get five witnesses? Somebody's cooking now, and and, and thank God for that. But 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 it goes beyond just cooking and, and going to the grocery store and holding hands. It takes to develop a relationship. You got to communicate with one another, and you got to be transparent. And, and, and in all honesty, guys, I've, I've shared what you got before. Most people don't do relationships very well because we're not comfortable being transparent. That means being totally honest when we're talking and when we we're, when we're broached with a subject, we're willing to talk about it. In an in-depth manner. Guys have to work a little bit harder on this than women do. My experience has been that. Can I get one wife out there or one lady to say, Show you right, Pastor? Yeah, I know I am. Because I'm a man. And I understand that in order for me to 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 share feelings, in order for me to, to, to go beneath the surface, man, I have to focus on it. But 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 my wife and other wives, I'm sure. Are willing to share things that, at a level that sometimes we men are not willing to share, but it's it's, it's all it, it, it all uh, comes together in developing a relationship that that will be that will be fruitful and productive, and can begin to be a blessing to those who are watching our lives. Can I get a witness? And so 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 to have a submissive mind, what I'm saying is, you got to do more than just come to church. You got to spend some word time. Do you not know the Barna groups? The Barna Group, who does a lot of uh, a company that does a lot of research uh, on Christian trends, has consistently, as they've done anonymous surveys when people are dead level honest, most people, most Christians are not reading their Bibles. I mean, as a general rule. Now they bring them to church, but spending time with God, understanding the mind of God and the heart of God, they, they we're not doing it as a whole. And so when you don't have the mind of Christ, then during times of crisis, you'll revert to your old way of thinking about things. Amen. So we got to spend some time in God's word and let the word of God have its preeminent place in our in our heart and our lives. So the submissive mind don't come just by coming to church. That's what I'm saying. And it's just like a relationship is not developed to its full or complete state. If you don't spend time together, if you don't communicate, if you don't talk, if you don't share, if you're not honest and transparent. Let me tell you something right quick. God knows everything about us. And I don't know why in the world we think we can hide something from God. The old folk, you say he sits high and he looks low. That means that even though God, our heavenly father, is sitting in the heavenlies, he has an eye on us down here on earth. And so whatever we do, wherever we go, he never leaves us nor forsakes us. That means that when you did your dirt, God was right there with you. If you say. Because I mean, y'all know sometimes saved folks do stuff that's not in line with God's will? It's not God's will, but even though when we're doing things that are not in line with God's will, it'll break that fellowship we talked about. Relationship is still there, but the fellowship is broken. And so we want to make sure that if we're going to have a submissive mind, we got to make sure that we are spending time with God in prayer instead of his word. And, and, and what, a, what I don't think we can have a more perfect time than right now. We ought to be praying and interceding. And for this world and for our church and for our families. Okay, so prayer connect Wednesdays, connect at 714 a.m. or 714 p.m. and spend some time in prayer with the family. With the family. And 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 genuinely pray. With the family, let everybody go around and pray. Amen. All right. So so look at this next guy. And so we, we looked at. Timothy, and we know Timothy had a submissive mind, but it, it, it didn't, it, it wasn't just because of a, a seminar he went to, it was over years of service, amen? The submissive mind grows in us as we yield to the Lord and we seek to serve others. Submissive mind. Now, Epaphroditus was the next guy in, in, in our story. Look, 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 look back with me at Philippians chapter number two, verse number twenty-five. What One thing that we can see about Epaphroditus here, uh, The first character which I want to just point out is he was a balanced Christian. Everybody say balanced. Balance is important in the Christian life because sometimes we can go to extremes and get out of balance. All right. God, Paul, Paul was not out of balance because Paul was single minded. He was focused on one thing that was promoting Christ Jesus. That was furthering the gospel. But look at what the text says here. We talked about Timothy. Look at verse number 25. He says, well, meanwhile, I thought I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He's a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, and he was your messenger to help me in my need. Look at look at that. I thought it, I should send Epaphroditus back to you. He's a true brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, and he was your messenger to help me in my need. Now, I said, number one, he was a balanced Christian. Balance is important in Christian life. Some people emphasize fellowship so much that they forget about the furtherance of the gospel. It's it's, it's interesting right now uh, during this season that we're in that we haven't gotten a chance or an opportunity to do what we call fellowship, come together and gather together. And, And I think that sometimes if we're not careful, our churches, I think God has to push us toward our destiny. Because many times as churches, the concept of church was always about coming together for fellowship. And guys, thank God, I miss every one of our church members and I can't wait till we come back together in person and have a chance to lay eyes on each other. Have a chance to commune and even have a chance to give a Holy Ghost hug. Or maybe we're going to wave. Uh, when we come back the first time, maybe we're going to we're going to just do a fist bump or an elbow bump, whatever it may be. But I, I, I'm looking forward to the opportunity when I can lay eyes on the fellowship. That's critically important. But we cannot get to the point to where all we're concerned about is coming together. The fellowship. Are you all with me today? The church, as I see it in America in particular, has gotten to the point that we've been enamored with the fellowship of, of the believers but we fail to be passionate about furthering the gospel to those who don't know Christ. So in an interview, you know, and if somebody's asked the question, well, did God send this? Uh, I, I don't know if God sent it or not, but I know it had to come under his, his providential sovereignty. So even if he didn't send it, he allowed it. And whatever God allows, he'll use it, amen, to, to purge us and to, and, and, to, and to shape us and make us be what he called us to be. So in an interesting. Take for instance, we're streaming live, and we had some technical difficulties earlier, but that's okay. Amen. The word is going forth now. But guess what? We've been talking about streaming our services live on Sunday for two or three, four, five years or so. But we just kind of, you know, we talked about it, and we were we were thinking about it, and we said that'd be a good thing to do. But 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 we didn't we didn't move on it. And then when this when this uh, decree came down from our governor. We start scrambling on a Monday to get it operational on a Sunday. I mean, within the time of one week, what we had procrastinated on for two or three years. Now we had, it had to come into manifestation in one week. What, what, what was God doing? I think God was pushing us toward our destiny. I think God was allowing us and every other church to say, listen, it ain't about gathering for fellowship only on Sunday. That's good. But it's about promoting the gospel, the furtherance of the gospel to get it out beyond the four walls of the church. This is one way to do it. It's not the only way, but it's one way that we can reach those who are not here in our immediate area. And so so God has, through this that's one thing I've seen God do with this church is push us toward our destiny to push us out beyond our comfort zone. And God has to do it because we're used to doing things the way we're used to doing it. So, so, so others are so involved in defending the faith of the gospel. In other words, some are so focused on fellowship that they they forget about furthering the gospel. And there are others who are so involved in defending the faith of the gospel that they neglect building fellowship with other believers. It, It shouldn't be one or the other. We should be balanced Everybody say balance. Epaphroditus did not fall into either of these traps. He was like Nehemiah, the man who rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem with his sword in one hand and his trowel, which is a construction tool, amen, in the other hand. Sword in one hand, trowel in the other hand, laying brick. It was sword, fight for the gospel, and working for the gospel. Can I get a witness? Defending the faith, but also being they're ready to, ready to build the wall to help the fellowship stay faith, safe. So, so you cannot build with the sword nor battle with the trawl, but it takes both to get the Lord's work done. So he had a balanced Christian life. He was, he was a balanced Christian. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I've met some unbalanced Christians. I've met some unbalanced pastors. And if you listen to me as a pastor, hear me carefully. Don't make the mistake of spending all of your time working for the church and working for the Lord and you don't balance your family life. I can't tell you the number of times that I had to share with and and, and know of pastors whose whose marriage was tore up because they failed to give their proper time to their family. And their children tend to be sometimes if not careful and I prayed another matter this way can sometimes be the worst ones in the church. Now, I, I think we got, and I don't have perfect children, but I think we got some good children. They're all working in ministry with us. So they're not perfect. But, but I've seen it where sometimes because Pastor Reb spent all his time ministering to others and he failed to spend time cultivating his first ministry, which is to his home. Marriage wasn't developed. Marriage was tore up. Children were out of balance, out of the way. Because they were longing for that love and, and, and commitment, he was out of balance. So, so Epaphroditus had—he was a balanced Christian. Number two, he was—he was a burdened Christian. Look at verse twenty-six and twenty-seven. He was—he was a burden Christian. Now, guys, what, what does it mean to be burdened? Here's, here's here's what I think is missing in our churches today: We have believers who are not burdened for the loss. Like Timothy, Epaphroditus was concerned about others. To begin with, he was. Concerned about Paul, but but th- but this man was also burdened for his his own home church. Look at twenty six and twenty seven with me, right quick. Glory to God. And guys, what what I'm gonna do? Uh, if, if you listen to me, you know uh, via via online service, live streaming, uh, hear me carefully. I want to talk about Timothy in, in and in Epaphroditus today, and next week I want to talk about the Apostle Paul and look at an experience that he had. An experience where, where he, he, he showed what it means to have character and confidence in the midst of a crisis. He's going to show us what not to do in a crisis. We're going to look at what not to do in a crisis. And then we're going to take a look at uh, uh, some foundational truths that will give us confidence in the midst of a crisis. Because we, we, we need that. We need to have some foundational truth. The word of God produces faith in our life. You you can't pray your way to greater faith. Scripture tells us faith coming by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. Say it with me again. Say faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's the word of God that produces faith in our life. Now, if you're sitting there listening to me and you know that you don't have a personal time where you spend time with God's word and when you're studying or you're not a part of a discipleship training process at your church and you're not connected to a Sunday school or a small group that can encourage in you in your, in, your, in your study time and your faith walk, then chances are you, you, you may be saved, you die today, you're going to heaven, but as far as walking by faith, you're not going to be able to do it because faith don't come by coming to church. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Remember what Hebrews, I think it's 11 and, and 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that cometh to God must believe that God is and that God is a rewarder of everyone who will do what? Well. Diligently seek him. Now, you, diligent means that you got to do it with, with, with intentionality. And, and I'm, I'm here to tell you that, um, yeah, I, I said it all the time that many times, we, we do things for the Lord, but we're not very intentional. We kind of do it haphazardly, and we're not diligent in our pursuit of God in his word, his principles of our life. God says, "Without faith, it's impossible to please God, but the person that comes to God must believe that God is, and he's a rewarder of those who do what? Diligently seek him. So, so Epaphroditus, was, he, was, he was a balanced Christian. He was a burdened Christian. Look at what the text says here. Uh, in, In verse number 26, I'm sending him because he has been longing to see you. Now, watch this. And he was very distressed that you heard he was ill. Look at 27 with me right quick. And he certainly was ill. In fact, he almost died. But God, everybody say, but God. But God had mercy on him and also on me, so that I would not have one sorrow after another. The guy you sent to bring to see about my needs—now he's here with me, and now he's gotten sick, almost to the point of death. But I, Paul said, "I thank God that 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 my sorrows were not added to by Epaphroditus dying while he's here with me." So he was—he was a burden Christian. He had a burden for the loss. And that's what I see missing in a lot of our churches today. But here's what God is doing. I think God is, 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 is doing some, some, some purging and some trimming and to trying to cultivate our mindset to be concerned about those who are lost. Every time we wake up in the morning, we ought to, we ought to say, God, thank you for another day. And God, let, let, I want you to use my life to reach somebody who does not know you. But if you don't ever think about lost folks, then you, you you don't have a burden for them. And if you don't have a burden for people who are lost, then you won't you won't be active in pursuing the lost. So so many of our churches have got out of balance to the point to where we, we we are just glad that we get a chance to come in fellowship, but we've forgotten about the furtherance of the gospel. And I think what God is doing right now is, is putting the focus back on the church's main goal, which is to go into the world and preach the gospel, to teach, to train, develop the disciple. Making disciples is what we should be all about. Amen. Now, number three, point number three, watch this, watch this. Not only was he a burden Christian, but he was a blessed Christian. Look at 28 and 30. What a tragedy it would be for us to go through life and not be a blessing to somebody. Amen? Epaphroditus was a blessing to Paul. He stood with him in his prison experience and did not permit even his own sickness to hinder his service. Watch what the text says. Let's read together. 28 through 30 says, well, so I am I'm all the more anxious to send him back to you. Paul is talking to the church at Philippi. The church at Philippi sent Epaphroditus to see about Paul's physical needs and his spiritual well-being to to check on him. So So I'm all the more anxious to send him back to you, for I know you will be glad to see him, and then I will not be so worried about you. 29 and 30. Watch this. Welcome him with Christian love and with great joy and give him the honor that people like him deserve. Watch this, give him the honor, amen, give him the honor that people like him deserve, a person who's, who's, who's grounded in the faith, a person who's balanced in his Christian walk, a person who's burdened for the lost, amen. He says, give him the honor that he deserves. Watch this, next verse, verse number 30, let's read. For he risked his life for the work of Christ. Now let's be honest. Can we be dead level honest? Most of you listening to me right now, have never risked your life for the work of Christ. Most of you haven't. But guys, there. Are, this this world is bigger than what we know. This world is bigger than Louisiana. This world is bigger than than the United States of America. I would venture to guess that nobody in America has had their lives taken away or snuffed out because of their stand for Christ. Like, people may not have liked you. They may have talked about you. They may have disassociated themselves from you. But I, 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 would suffer, I, I think I can say with... with, with uh, complete confidence. that Nobody in America has just been killed because of their stand for Christ, like in other countries where we have missionaries and evangelists that are that are walking about, and it's in government has made it against the law to even meet as a church. Watch this. Watch this. Places where people are are, are, are executed because of their stand for Christ. And even during Paul's time in the early church time, that, like Stephen in the book of Acts, the Bible says this same Paul, whose name was Saul then, stood by and held the clothes of those who stoned Stephen to death. Because Stephen preached truth to them and they didn't want to hear The Bible says they, they, did it, they put their hands over their ears and began to yell at him and they stoned him to death. I don't think we see that happening here in America up to this point. But this happened across the globe where we got believers everywhere across this globe who are ministering and their lives are at stake. So so really in America we're we're, we're blessed in a, in, in, a, in a very real way. For he risked his life for the work of Christ, and he was at the point of death while doing for me what you couldn't do from far away. So he was a blessed Christian. Everybody say blessed Christian. Now, now go with me to First Thessalonians chapter number five. Because Paul admonishes the church to honor him because of his sacrifice and service. Christ gets the glory, but there's nothing wrong with the servant receiving honor. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12 and 13. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 12 and 13. Watch the text here. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you, and give you spiritual guidance. Watch this. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Verse number 13, let's read it. It says, what? show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work, because of their work, and live peacefully with each other. One One of the things that I think that does the heart of a spiritual leader or any pastor or anybody who really has good sense from a Christian standpoint is to see, it does my heart good to see the body of believers living peacefully among each other. In other words, getting alone, learning how to not let little minor differences cause you to back away and get in your corner and, and, and stop uh fellowship and associated and, and working in the flow of ministry at any particular church. We got to learn how to, as a church, and I, I thank God for this body of believers at EBC. I think we do this very well. And I, I'm just saying this because it's going out to not only just EBC members, but, but I thank God for a church family that's very, 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 let me say it one more time, very, I need about seven, or eight of those, very, 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 very supportive of their pastoral leadership. I thank God for that flow here. And as a result, I mean, I think God is blessing us, amen, to reach people who we would not otherwise reach if we spent all our time bickering, arguing, and fighting. Anytime you find a church where there's bickering, arguing, and fighting, somebody is not growing. Somebody has not spent any time in the word. Because when you spend time in the word, the word will transform your mind and you'll have the mind of Christ. So if I got the mind of Christ and you have the mind of Christ, what are we arguing about? I said all the time, if 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 my wife, a man is doing the things that God told her to do and I'm doing the things that God told me to do, why can't we get along? Now, we, we can get along. But, understand, but in the course of going about our doing our daily chores, there are times when 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 you're in relationship with anybody, you'll have disagreement. The question is not the disagreement, but is how you handle it. How do you deal with it? How do you handle a crisis situation? And that's what we're talking about, character and confidence in a crisis. How are you responding to this present day crisis that we find ourselves in. How do you respond to a crisis in a relationship that you're involved in? What is, what is a church member? The church member? Husband and wife? Mother, daughter, father, son? Co-worker? Come on. Because many of us, if we're, not, if we're not careful, we go to work and our testimony is ruined because of the way we act at work. The way we interface with co-workers in a way that's not God honoring, if the truth be told. And we know that everything we do, the Bible says whatsoever we do, do it, do it heartily, or do it with a sense of urgency and do it with a sense of confidence. Do it as unto the Lord. So when I go to work, or you go to work, it's not to work for somebody, it's working as unto the Lord. So, so so watch it, watch it. So uh, so Epaphroditus, he was a balanced Christian, he was a burdened Christian, he was a blessed Christian. And Paul encouraged, amen, the Thessalonians, I believe as well as the folks in Philippi to honor those leaders who labor well among you. So, so the, the next thing I want to I talk about is how to have character and confidence in a crisis, because that's very important. Go with me right quick to Acts, the 27th chapter. And I want to start this and I'm going to pick it up on next week on Resurrection Sunday. Amen. On, on Easter Sunday, we're going to share some more about this principle, how to have character and confidence in the Christ like nobody else. That's ever lived. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, had character and confidence in the midst of a very uh, stormy crisis like situation. When you get ready to go to be crucified, that's a crisis. Can I get a witness? And how many of y'all know sometimes we have our own little crisis in our own life because sometimes when, when God is trying to get us to crucify our flesh, to crucify our way of doing things, it can be tough when we try to uh, 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 crucify our flesh, right? We try to cru- crucify our way of doing things. The Bible teaches us that there are three kinds of storms in life. Guys, uh, go to Acts 27, verse number 9. The Bible teaches us that, that there are three kinds of storms in life. Storms that, are, that, that we bring on ourselves. How many of y'all out there have ever brought a storm or a crisis on yourself because of your poor decisioning? Hello? You brought a storm that, on yourself. Samson did it. <laughs> he had some self-induced trouble. In other words, didn't nobody bring that trouble. He, he had all the wisdom in the world because God gave him wisdom beyond Beyond anything anybody had except the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the wisest man on earth at that time. But yet, and still, he made some foolish decisions that caused him some storms, some crises that happened in his life. Y'all know the story. Number, number two, storms that God causes. How many of y'all know that sometimes God sends some stuff in our life? I know that doesn't fit with some modern-day theology, but when I read the scripture text, when I read God's dealing with his children in Israel, when I see how he was trying to get them back into their proper place, I realize that God dealt with his chosen people that way. God sometimes allows storms to come, and there are times when God sends some storm. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When God sends a storm in your life, man, you, you, you listen, you... you you, you better better learn how to, to turn that thing around because if God sends it, it ain't going to be released until God releases it. So God sends, we, we can, storms come or crises come because of our own doing. They come because of God sends them. And then there are some storms or some crises that come because other people cause it. There's that people problem that we have. Sometimes we're in a crisis, not because of our own doing, but because somebody who we are in relationship with or somebody who we don't even know can bring a crisis into our home home. If somebody comes to your house uh, and tries to take something from you, in other words, come and try to rob you, that's a crisis, right? You didn't bring it, they brought it to you. And so, it, so it, it, when that happens, either it's that or it's some other situation, there's sometimes we're in the midst of a storm or crisis because of what other people have done. Paul and Silas, remember, were thrown in jail because of other people's jealousy of them promoting the gospel. So how do we, how do we deal with these crises? How do we not get, how, how do we not lose our character and maintain, how we maintain our confidence regardless of what's happening around us? Now, you know, there there was a, there are a lot of shows that do these type things, but I was, uh, some of y'all probably have listened to Steve Harvey morning show when Nephew Tommy does prank calls. Any y'all ever listen to that? And oftentimes, I, I sat back and I, I ran across a couple of those one time and, and, and they were calling people in the church. And when they called people in the church, and I, mind you, the things that he's saying are, are totally false, have no merit whatsoever. And the people who are oftentimes church members start out talking real oh, good, bless the Lord, yeah, yeah, bless the Lord. And then when he keeps on digging at them, after a period of time, they just turn into a monster. They start cursing, they start doing stuff, and, and then one woman said, oh, hold on, geez, I'll be right back. She said, hold on, geez, I'll be right back, and then she, she went to cussing him out, and I, I'm sitting there thinking, now, this guy is just playing on people's emotions, he's, he's, he's having fun with them, they don't even know this, but to them, when he's having fun, it's a crisis, and I'm going to tell you, your character and, and who you have confidence in will show up in a crisis. I don't know who you really are until I have to go through something with you. I don't know where you really stand until there is some crisis in our lives together. Then I'm going to see who you really are. Because it's too easy to come into the fellowship and show one thing. But when your button is pushed, your true character will come out. Character and confidence in a Christ. God put the apostle Paul as a prisoner on board a ship. Headed from Palestine to Rome in, in Acts the 29th, 27 chapter, verse number 9. And we, we, we're going to pick this up on, on this next week. But I want you to just look at it. He says, we had lost a lot of time. The weather was becoming dangerous for sea travel because it was so late in the fall and Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Now watch this, verse number, verse number 10. Men, he said, I believe there's trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. Verse number 11, but the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. Watch that. He listened more back, back, back up. The officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. Verse number 12, watch what the text says. And since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew wanted to go on to Phoenix farther up the coast of Crete. And spend the winter there. Phoenix was a good harbor with only a southwest and northwest exposure. Verse 13, watch this. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. Now we're going to pick up on next week because what we see right here happening is God's man, the apostle Paul, gave a word. Ever say Paul gave a word? Look, Turn back there with me. Uh, Flip to the King James version of that very same passage in Acts 27 verse number 9. Paul gave them a word from the Lord but they chose the word of the owner of the company. Right? Says, now when much time was spent and when Satan was now dangerous because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them, watched this and said to them, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only the landing Lading in the ship, but also of our own lives. Paul had a word from the Lord, and this word from the Lord was ignored by the commander of the ship. And we're going to see how Paul deals with this crisis situation that's going to arise, Amen. In this storm, Amen. We're going to see, we, you know, you know, uh, we're going to see how he deals with it. And so, look at our own lives, see how we deal with crisis, guys. I want to tell you, you know. When we get to a crisis situation, our true character and who we have confidence in will show up during those times. I don't know what it is, and I don't know what you really believe in until you have to show what you believe in. Remember that old old Rhythm and Blues song, Show and Tell? It's the game I play when I want to say I love you. You say you love God, show it and tell it. You say you love God, don't just talk about it, show it during this time of crisis. And we'll pick up on next week. On character in Christ, character and confidence in times of crisis. Bow with me for a word of prayer. Father, we thank.